Shirley, could you move that shoulder further behind? Where's Debbie Hassan? I love that guy. Welcome home, Ez. Welcome home. Where's my Yankov? Yankov's home. Eric Yisrael went wild for Yankov. Yankov Engel. As the strummers, the boys. Good trip. Did you pick your yeshiva while you were there? Well, maybe. Which one were you impressed with? Well, I want to hear, but in an honest way, from Ezra Strummers and Yaakov, but no exaggerations, what you saw, in the, they, they both saw, there were 260 alumni there Friday night. 260. I want to know, like, an honest impression from Shabbos, from the Chevres. What did you see? What did you see? 260, what did you see? Ezra, I want to, I want to hear, Ezra, what did you see, Ezra? Where does it look? It heads to a good place. <laughs> yeah, it is inspiring. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Ezra's an honest. Ezra's, if, if anybody knows Ezra, many great me. This Ezra's drum is extremely honest. MS. And exactly what you just said. Ezra's not a person who overstates things. What you just said, you look around like. That was. That was the ten, that's the 10th grade word where you were looking at. You know that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The belief in progress and process, a world that's perfectionist, all or nothing, this is like the exact opposite, a world of growth, a world of believing in oneself, slow steps, good steps, real steps. And then you saw that room full. Not bad. Also, a world of inclusivity. How many guys were told, don't go to Woodbury, dangerous? It's inclusive. That dangerous guy. They went to the yeshiva with all us dangerous guys. A huge B'nai Torah. I think Hashem likes inclusivity. All the people we're afraid of. Yank, what did you see, Yankiv? <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then I in Which day were you there? He learns a lot. Menachem Wiener learns about 12, 13 hours a day. You know that? <laughs> gets up 6.30, gets up early in the morning and just goes. Menachem Wiener. Learns all day. When does he get up? Very early in the morning, and learns the whole day. You remember like many, many, many guys. The boys. Did they recruit you, Yankees? They're all going after you. <laughs> I Yankees. I want to, Rabbi, say. I would like to read two articles to you. There's, there's an author, his name is Rav Salomon. He is a psychologist who's a bentire, sincere bentire, somebody who learns, who was very close to a lot of G'daylam. He was very close to Rav Palm. And he writes articles, he's written books. Some people, he wrote a book together, like on, based about Rav Noyach Weinberg's teachings. And there are two essays here that I want to learn with the guys. One is the theory that interests me. The topic's an important topic to me. So I want to read you a theory. A theory. And one is not a theory. One is just practical advice that I like a lot. So I'm going to do the, the practical advice first, and then I'm going to do his theory. The practical advice is, the topic is called change. And he writes... What is the most frightening six-letter word in the English language? No, it's not dating, it's not skiing, and it's not ticket either. How about change? If you're like most people, and don't fool yourself, you are, change pretty much scares the dickens out of you. All of us try to make change in our daily lives, but how many of us are really successful? 
you try to quit smoking or lose weight or speak Hebrew or visit your grandmother or spend more time with your kids, and chances are you may make a bold and decent start, but it peters out after a few days. Or more likely, you never really get started at all. You just talk about it all the time. Welcome to the club. Everyone finds change difficult, but some people do seem to, do be, to be better at it than others. What is their secret? How do they manage to move forward? Why do some people view life's hurdles as challenges to embrace, while others perceive every new transition as a 50-ton barrier on the road in front of them? The answer is not nearly as simple as this article appears to make it, but is within reach. Here are three keys that may not sound especially potent or very new, but still have the potential to catapult you from perilous to action. Now, I do want to say that this article is written for older people, Guys your age are not so afraid of change, by the way. One of the things that us youngsters have is change doesn't scare us. Older people are scared out of their brains of change. They very much have set patterns. They very much coasting changes like, no. They like patterns. Old, very old people, it's one of the things that when you're very old, you just really zone into like a certain way of life. You've been doing it for years. And to change is really scary. Younger people are a little less afraid of change. They're not as locked in. So the fear was not... I did not read this article, this part of it. He describes the fear of change. I don't... For your age, it's not so true. Even though we have our... You know, coming out of your comfort zone is not always easy. A guy has to know stam to steig and grow. It's not going to happen just automatically because you're dreaming. You're going to have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. That's an important part, and it's not always easy. It's, it's, that's the reason it's called out of our comfort zone. But I do feel like young people are, us youngsters, are more likely. I always tell people I'm much younger because I'm around you, I'm young. I'm 18 because I'm, I'm best friends with Arya Barnett. I'm 18. I don't say it as a joke. I say it that the mindless of 18-year-olds, I get. It's, it's the best perk of being best friends with Aryeh. I'm 18. I'm, I am a year older than you. But the best perk of being friends with Aryeh is that I become 18. The mindless, the courage of an 18-year-old, of, of not being afraid to try things. Not being, I had such hanar, right? Brownstein on the ski trip tried boarding. You will not find 35-year-olds that all of a sudden start to board. You're a skier. Stay a skier. But he's around you. See, so try boarding. I'm, I'm thinking next time of actually trying to board. I have to, like, I have to like, really get the inner gorilla in me and do it to like, get out of your comfort zone. You've got to tap into you. But the nakuda of young people is that they're not as afraid of change as older people. They're not so locked into So that's one of the great perks of being around people that are not afraid of change, that I want to try and experiment and see. It's one of the things that scares everybody, our teenagers. It scares everybody because they experiment. People tell me, I don't want to send my son to water, but he might experiment. Yes, he will explore. And you know what he'll find? He'll become a great person. Because they'll explore. Yes, they'll explore. People are curious, and youngsters are not afraid of being curious. Older people, no. Yeah, young people explore. They're curious. They're curious about the world. They're curious about where they fit in the world. I have a tremendous belief in the Nisham in a person. I have a tremendous belief in Torah. I have a tremendous belief in the Torah lifestyle. And they'll discover exactly what everybody who explores is discovering. Shloyma Melch explored. If you read his his Kayelis is about his exploration. He searched the world to see what's true and what's right. And uncovered mitzvahs and Torah and Yerushalayim, like any good explorer, uncovers the truth. So, so that part of the article was written for adults. He writes, he, he's talking to adults, he's talking about spending more time with your kids. So that's not the part of the article that I wanted you to hearken up to listen well. The part of the article is his three plans. He has three keys to change, and all three of them I am very masking to. All three of them I agree a lot. Bifrat, Bifrat, there's one of them that I think is, is, is a super advice. I want to read to the Ulam. 
A fundamental requirement for embarking on anything new is that you must believe in yourself. All of us have succeeded in certain areas and failed in others. Unfortunately, the failures often seem to overshadow the achievements. We tend to magnify our deficiencies and downplay our accomplishments. What we've done, we don't value enough, and our failures stand in front of us. This must stop. You'll never muster enough energy to make difficult changes without compelling evidence that you are a capable human being. The only way to do this is by remembering, listing, and savoring the successes in your life. You have to hold on and remember what you've done. Listing, remembering, savoring the successes in your life. Five minutes a day should be sufficient. After a while, you will start believing that you can. How do we know this is true? Because the wisest of all men, Shleim HaMelech, said so. The harder the wise man looks to the right, Leiv Chacham Liyamin, the harder the fool looks left. The Hebrew language has the unique distinction of being written and read from right to left. That means that every holy book is open and every subsequent page is turned to the right side. So many of us open these books with the best of intentions. We want to study, we want to teach, we want to finish. But all too often reality sets in, we get bogged down. We slow down, we lose our interest and our resolve. We want to quit and we often do. A great part of our bent to surrender comes from the enormity of the task. There's so much left to do. Look at how many pages there are in this book. I'll never finish anyway. I might as well quit now. Stop, says Shleim HaMelech. You are looking at the wrong side of the book. Only a fool looks to the left. Remember, if it's written from right to left, to the left means you're looking at what you didn't do yet. That's a fool. Leiv Ksil, the smile, looks at what you didn't read yet. That shows you how many pages you haven't yet studied. Look to the right. A Leiv Chacham is Yamin. A smart person looks to the right in Hebrew. There you will see what you have already learned. That will encourage you to continue your task, complete your mission. That is the formula for becoming wise. I used to walk with Bakram every other Shabbos from Blue Ridge to Waterbury. And for me, the walk was easy. I wanted to see the guys. I wanted to see Zevi Hafman. So for me, I was headed somewhere. It was a very easy walk. Every step was closer to seeing Zevi Hafman. So it was easy. For the guys accompanying with me, they weren't necessarily itching to see Zevi Hafman. So for them, it was a harder walk. So what I used to do is there's a set spot in the walk where if you look, you could see Blue Ridge, and it's lit, Blue Ridge is the tallest mountain in Waterbury, and you could see it, it looks like a million miles away. It was like halfway in the walk, there's a spot you could see it. And I'd say to the guys when we got there, turn around, they would see how far they came, it gave a great chizuk. The rest of the walk, you sort of just rolled your way through it. You had come so far already, I felt it would give great chizuk. I always, on almost every walk, Yaakov, you ever did one of these? I told the guys, turn around near the peppermint truck that has been there for a zillion years. Peppermint? Yeah, 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 yeah. I the joke is it's so... Pepperidge or peppermint, there's a, there's a truck there. There's a truck there that's been sitting there for years. Right near that truck, we turn around and you look back and you see the houses... What? MacArthur Street, it's called? It's right by the, it's right by the sign. Lomaisa, Dovi, so I have the guys look back. It gives such chizik what you've done. Says him, one of the first aces that he has to changing is look at your accomplishments. Celebrate your accomplishments. Celebrate what I've done. People think change comes, there's a guy, there's a guy who does, who does therapy, who I don't, I don't like what he does at all. He does, he's for addicts and he does therapy and he's very controversial. I'm not, I'm inclined not to believe in him. His big thing is you're nothing, you're a piece of garbage, you've done nothing till today. You're an addict means you've done nothing, now start building. Everything you did was fake. That's his big thing. To me, you, you never build like that. There's no such building ever in the world. 
You build by seeing what you have done. People have accomplished. We're hidden. We're good people. Celebrating and holding on to what accomplished gives me a chizik. Of course, I have much to do and a lot more to do and a lot I want to do. But seeing what I've done, celebrating what I've done, that's step one that he says, I believe in that a lot. What have I yes done? You don't, a friend of mine was keeping a chart. A friend of mine was keeping a chart. He was cheshbening a certain thing in his life. And on one day, he showed my Rebbe his chart. He had a big X through the day. My Rebbe said, there's never a day a Ben Tyre has an X through. He didn't do any. There wasn't one time that day you didn't speak Lashnar. So they don't have an X through the day. Baruch Hashem, I did that. There wasn't one tefillah, one bakashi you said to Hashem, one act of emunah. Hold on to that. It doesn't mean you're settling. You have a lot more you want to do. But I have success in me. I have shaykhs to success. To celebrate the success is one eighth of for change. Ironically, people think if you celebrate success, you'll never change. There are two sugyas in our life. Yehuda, there are two sugyas in our life that, that exist. There's something called, people think they're contradictions, they work together. There's something called she'ifais. What is she'ifais? I mean, say the word. Say the word. She'ifais. Say the word, Yehuda. Usher. Say the word, Yankov. Joe, Yassi. Mardcha. Avrami. What does it mean in English? I want the best word. What does it mean in English? Aspirations. Sheifais is aspirations. It's funny, it's actually a very similar word to Sheifais as Shin Pei, aspirations. The Shin Pei, it's interestingly a very similar word. Sheifais means aspirations. It's interesting. I don't know if it's related. What? It's too far apart. It could be. It just it strikes me always funny that Sheifais has the Shin Pei aspirations. Could be has no Shaykhis. You have to look up words, etymology, where they come from. There's no Shaykhis. It's just a cute thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kitzir Advarim is Nasan. You hear those? The first word is. Say the word, Hebrew word, Sheifais. The English words, aspirations. It means to aspire. To have big goals, aspirations, not to settle. I want to be something big. I don't want a guy to settle to be a small. Have big goals. Shas, Paiskim, Mesechtas. Don't have little goals, big goals. There's a second topic called Samech Bechelkai. Happy with what I have. It's a freedom. Very good. I'm very proud of myself. Now, the world says a contradiction. If I too much celebrate what I've done, am I going to aspire? They have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. You need both. And unless you learn to celebrate the successes, no aspirations will help. Ah. So, Arya, you're going to meet? People are next. Perfect. So these are the, this is the Sugyu Rabbi Saif, aspirations and Samech Bechelka. Ironically, in order to accomplish change, in order for a person to change properly, they have to learn to celebrate the successes and the victories. Step two. Cold turkey is for the birds. Everyone has bad habits. They range from the terribly serious kind, drugs, gambling, overeating, to the milder variety, nail-biting, interrupting, and being a neat freak. One of the most potent stumbling blocks to success is the notion the only way to quit is to do so all at once. Not true. I have found that most people make changes gradually. There are times and situations where only radical methods can be effective. There is such a thing. But by and large, throw a large hamburger on a high chair tray in front of little Sammy, and chances are it will end up on the floor. But cut into small, manageable, bite-sized pieces, and he might eat two burgers. Big Sammy is a lot like little Sammy. By definition, habits, and certainly addictions, are things we have done for long periods of time. The swift and sudden removal of them may produce swift and sudden change, but that is not what you are looking for. You want lasting change. I love that sentence. You are not looking for swift and sudden change. You are looking for lasting change. There are things we could, I promise you there are things we could do in yeshiva that I can get for two months. We can arrange the whole 12th grade. We'll be learning like 12 hours a day. 
We are not shooting for quick and sudden change. We are shooting for lasting change. A change that's going to stay by a person is what you're aspiring to. Things that you can hold on to. Right, Oberlander and I have a word that we use a lot. We're very into sustainable. We want the things done in yeshiva to be sustainable. It's not enough to say, the guy did it, I'm so... Is it sustainable? Could he keep doing it? We say, I love what we say on the Yom Yom Rishon Zevi. We say, Mi Yale Bahar Hashem, who can climb the mountain? But we say a second thing, Mi Yokum Bim Koim Kodshai, who could stay there? It's nice to get to the top of the mountain, but how nice is it if you can't stay there? So we say two things, Mi Yale Bahar Hashem, who can climb the mountain? But for, we're talking about a person who could stay there. Our goal is to grow, but a sustainable growth, a growth I can keep on to for a long time. The swift and sudden removal may produce swift and sudden change, but that is not what you're looking for. You want lasting change. So he says, identify a firm and specific goal. I want to stop coming late to meetings. Kalish. Dinners, work, shul, medical appointments, whatever. Do not attempt any alteration in your schedule for two weeks. Simply jot down every time you come late and by how many minutes. He says at first, don't try to change it. Simply track it. Create an objective for the following week to reduce that lateness by just five minutes in just two or three places, not in every place. Chart your results. Do not overreach your goal. Even if it seems easy, just stick to the plan. Add five minutes and two more places each week. If you fail, just extend the same projection for an additional week. Take pleasure in your accomplishment. Reward yourself. I'm very into self-reward, very. You buy yourself a nice soda to celebrate some accomplishment you did. Very into that. Certain things I want to get myself, I wait till treat myself. If I accomplish things I want to accomplish, want to buy a certain safe. Wife says, "Let me buy it." No, no, no. I'm waiting. Then a certain accomplishment, you reward yourself. So the second point is process. His first point of changing is you have to look what you've already done. You don't build on nothing. You build on foundations. See what you've already done and take pride in that. Give you a sense of that I could do it. One. Two is slow. Is slow and steady. You want to do it in a way that you can keep, not in a, way, not in a dramatic way that you can't hold on to. Three. This might be the most important of all. Leave the comparison to the real estate brokers. One of the side effects of this incredible age of communication is that everyone knows everything about everybody. At least they think they do. It's funny. In yeshiva, we'll celebrate a bacher steiging tremendously. It has great benefits. Mati Dahan's going to come here, Ben Azmanen, and you're all going to go... <gasps> You hear that guy speak, the Talmud Chacham, so it has a great mile, it's inspiring. It has a great danger. The great danger is... The fact is that we actually know very little about the next person. All we know is what we see, and the reality may be very far from the discernible. But that doesn't stop us from making constant and damaging comparisons. I'll just never be as popular as, why even bother? (laughs) I'll always be a warrior. That's the way I'm wired. I wish I could be more like so-and-so. So So what if I'm unemployed? Michael's making high six figures and I should start at 60,000? We use our mistaken impressions to formulate damaging comparisons about people around us and then conclude that we can never match up to our peers. How soon we forget that Hashem made each of us with our own unique personality, DNA, fingerprints, and purpose. No two people contain the same potential or mission on this planet. So besides the fact that things are never the way they seem, our goals must singularly be our own. What someone else, no matter how similarly may seem to you, has accomplished is completely irrelevant to your life's objectives. Don't copy. Don't imitate. Don't compare. 
Focus on what is within your reach. Never forget that your capacity to change is not in any way associated with anyone else's achievements or failures. Be your own man. Change is hard enough without having to compare yourself to anyone else. In sum, to sum up his three principles of change, focus on your successes, cut the new steps into bite-sized pieces, and never ever compare yourself to anyone else. That's the simpler formula to get started on the road to change. No, the road is not perfectly paved, free of traffic, or easy to navigate, but it does not have to be nearly as daunting as we think it is. You have the keys, now get in the car and drive. You'll get there. So that was the first essay I wanted to read to the guys on change with the three steps to change that he, that he gives to people, I think all are very, very intelligent and it makes sense. That was the first thing that I wanted to share with the guys. What's the Pasuk in Mishle? What's the Pasuk? It's a great pshat. Revezi loved this pshat. It says that the smart person looks to the right and the ksil, the fool, looks to the left. Ray Solomon, this intelligent, Yaakov Solomon, the psychologist, says pshat, that the fool looks to the left, is the pshat, you look to what you haven't yet read in the book. Remember you're talking about Hebrew, it's written right to left. To the left is the part of the book, remember a sefer goes this way. So to the left, if I'm on Davchav Beis, the left is what I didn't see yet. Turn, oh my God. The parrot. A smart person looks to the right, says, salad. He looks what he's done. He gains chizik from what he's done to, uh, to push himself forward. That's what he says. The smart person looks to his right and the fool looks to his left. A tremendous shot from Rav Yaakov Salman. I'm sorry? You'll be in that chance? Good stuff. You like that shot, Yehuda? A fool looks to the left, looks what he hasn't done yet. Because a Hebrew safer, right to left, left is what you haven't done. And a smart person looks what he's done and takes great inspiration and chizuk. I've, I've moved a lot. It's funny, we, I was talking to the guys about Shabbos. It's like so moving. These guys have moved a lot. That's a big chizuk. That's a huge chizuk. Are, there, are, are you there? I don't like when people view it that, you know, at this point now they're all just riding off the sunset. They're struggling like you, like me, like all of life, you struggle. You don't all of a sudden, now he's in the mirror learning everything. No, now he's in the mirror struggling in the mirror. Now he's in brisk, struggling in brisk, or wherever he is struggling. Life does, you don't get to a certain point and it's just like the easy road. Life's about battling. But boy, have they moved a lot. Boy, have they climbed a lot. That's what Ezra was articulating to us. You're in a room with people that have traveled far, very far. How do you travel far? By taking one step. And being happy about the step you've taken, it does not stop aspirations. It actually facilitates a lot of aspirations because you're a person who can do a lot. Celebrating the little facilitates accomplishing a lot. It allows you to move. gives you chizik to move. I've done, and I will continue to do. So that's his first, his first essay that I, wanted, uh, that I wanted to read to you. I want to read a theory. This is a, totally his theory. You don't have to agree to his theory. I was fascinated by his theory. So I want to share a theory on a totally different topic, Avi. A theory of Rav Yaakov Salman. I particularly like this theory because I have observed many things people are into, there's a shayrish of taiv in it. Many Many things that people use, taivas and all different types of desires and wants, that it's easy just to say, oh, it's completely ra. It says, serve Hashem with your Yetzirah. 
And I have found that many things we call Yetzirah have a tremendous smile. The simplest example is Taivas Nashim. Taivas Nashim is the best part about us. It's the best part about us because it allows us once to be like Hashem and to be the most giving act in our life, to be a good husband, to take care of somebody whose life depends on us. Taivas Nashim is excellent. Youngsters are taught it's like the dark side of ourselves. It's completely not true. Utilized right. It's a very holy, from the holiest side of ourselves. So many, many parts and different types of things that people dismiss as bad are love of sports. Our love of sports, so you can look at it, such a, what is it, who cares, baseball, schmeisball, a guy fires it, what do you care? That's all this, but we do care, but we do care. Why do we care so much? I feel like a very shallow person just makes fun. It's an intelligent person says, how do intelligent people care so much? A very good question. It's easy just to mock it. Typically in Rebbe's school, we're told just make fun. Derek Schmieder, you care about Schmieder? Yeah, but what? But we do care about it. So Reb Nassim Vachtvogel, who was a thinking person, a gadol, he was very intrigued that we care so much about sports. He said that we're born to fight, so we love a good fight. Sports is our visual of a fight, and so intelligently, he said that because we're born to fight, we have an epic fight against the Sahara. a fight is very intriguing to us. He said our intrigue with sports and the love of sport is because that's what we're born for. That's intelligent. You took something we're into, and instead of just saying stupidity, it has a shayrish in a very good place. We're all born to be fighters. Now our job is to really zone in on the biggest fight, the most important fight, and engage it and really fight. We all, all, a lot of boys love that vicious right hook and the left hook. What, what you really like is there's an enemy you're supposed to be throwing, throwing combinations at. He's called the Yitzhahara. And you're supposed to knock him out. That's what Nassim Vachsvogel said. So this article really digs deep into something that all of us have. I was always like, I, when I followed sports, I never was interested in the players. In a player, if Dwight Gooden was right outside in the steps of the, of the yeshiva, I like sports, and he's pitching a good game, I'd want to watch. If he was on the, on the steps at the height of my sports fandom, when I like sports, if Michael Jordan was right on the steps, I'm not being from. I have zero interest to go outside and see him. Zero. I could, he's there. Oh. I'd much, I would run miles to see Yaakov Ringel. I promise you I'd rather see Yaakov Ringel in a second. But it's like an understatement. It doesn't even like, the amount I want to see Yaakov Ringel is extreme. It undersells to say if he was there, I, I just couldn't get, I'd rather go find our goat somewhere on the campus, see if he's alive and healthy somewhere, than see, so forget, let that Yaakov Ringel to see him is passion. I'd rather track down our goat than see, if somebody told me on the steps right now, if somebody told me on the steps right now, they want to see, they heard about Yaakov Ringel, so Tom Brady came with LeBron, and they both came together, because they just, and Curry, Steph Curry, all three heard about this guy, Yaakov Ringel, doesn't speak Lashnara, it's a beautiful Ben Taira, has grown tremendously, and all three just came to Durham, we have to see this guy. All, I heard all three on the steps now, I, I'd have so little interest Going out, it would be like nothing to me. Zero. But nonetheless, many people are very, very tempted and curious to meet the stars, to see the stars. Listen to his theory. I don't know if he's right. And tell me what you think. You'll tell me what he thinks. Maybe. He has a different theory. Avi, listen to his theory. I don't know. Maish, I'm curious if you agree with him. Listen to this. There are times... You don't have to agree with him. This is not, this not a Rishon and Achron. It's a wonderful, excellent, beautiful Yid of Yaakov Solomon who has the following theory. I'm curious, Zevi, Strummers. Ezra's an honest guy. I want to know from Ezra if you're asking to his theory. Listen to his theory. I'm going to ask Avi. We're going to ask Avi and Ezra Strummers. Both have tremendous honesty to them. I want to know, Avi and Ezra Strummers, do you agree to this theory? There are times few in number when something rather ordinary happens and in a matter of seconds, clarity reigns. It is a rare and very beautiful. Such was the case a couple of weeks ago. It was a Wednesday. 
I rushed into the prominent and clamorous base medrash and quickly found my seat. The clock read 10.05 late again. I becoming late to my daily morning study period was eager to get going. To my left sat Maish, a dedicated, consistent, and prominent scholar who has been my neighbor for many a year. He's been learning in Torah Das for a long time, Rabbi Yaakov Salman. Amongst Maish's varied interests is teaching, mentoring teens who have had little formal religious background or instruction. This particular morning, it was Isaac who was laboring over an obviously alien text. The language was part Hebrew, part Aramaic, but to him it all seemed Greek. To me, Isaac looked about 14, but nowadays, who knows? 20 minutes must have gone by, and Maish determined that a break in his learning with Isaac might be particularly timely. Wanting to impress Isaac with the notion that even rabbis also live very much in today's world, Maisha directed Isaac's attention in my direction. See that fellow over there I overheard? He writes books and makes films. He even knows Jason Alexander. I have no idea who that is. No? Nope. You know who it is? No. <laughs> I mean... Okay. He even knows Jason Alexander. A few years previous, I had the occasion at an Aisha Torah Discovery Seminar in Los Angeles to spend lunch plus with Mr. Alexander, the popular Jewish actor of a famous program. What show is he on? Seinfeld? Seinfeld? Is he on Seinfeld? Excellent. Excellent. What? He plays George on Seinfeld. Excellent. Okay. Do you really know him, asked Isaac, obviously enamored by the prospect of having an end to such a famous celebrity. Truth to be known, the question was not a simple one. Spending a few hours with anyone hardly constitutes knowing him. On the other hand, it could be argued that I did, not know, that I did know him somewhat, especially since I am such a keen and swift evaluator of people. So I immediately dodged the question. Well, I stammered, put it this way, would you like to meet Jason Alexander? I thought his eyes were going to dislodge from their Svaradik sockets. Are you kidding? You could really arrange that? Well, now, slow down, slow down. He wanted to lead him on. I'm not sure at all. I'm not at all sure I could arrange that. But if I could, I would only do it on one condition. Sure, he offered. You name it. My feeble disclaimer had obviously not even registered. There was not much that was going to deter this determined young man from even a remote chance at his date with fame and destiny. He just needed to know what it would take to make this happen. All you need to do is answer one question for me, I told him, then I'll look into arranging it. It sounded so simple, just one question, one answer, and his voyage to renown could begin. Okay, what's the question? Just tell me, Isaac, why do you want to meet Jason Alexander? Silence. Isaac just stared at me. The quiet lasted at least five seconds, then he broke it. What do you mean, why do I want to meet him? I just want to, that's all. I know you do, Isaac. I just want you to think about why you want to meet him. More silence. This time it must have been seven or eight seconds. Then he responded. The answer literally astounded me. You know what? Let's just forget it. It was my turn to be silent. I looked at Isaac and wondered to myself, what had just transpired? This was something that he wanted so much. All he needed to do was ponder his true motivation for meeting Mr. Alexander. How long would that take? Just come up with an answer, any answer, but Isaac would not. He actually chose to abandon his dream just so he wouldn't have to think. Sad. But the whole exchange was not for naught. It got me to think about why anybody would want to meet a celebrity. Admit it. Who of us would turn down a chance to schmooze with different celebrities, take a picture with a senator or a president? Yet how many of us ever stop to wonder why it should matter so much? Why do throngs of fans clamor to just stand close to singers, athletes, politicians, and personalities? Why do people practically endanger their lives, or certainly their health and well-being, and vocal cords, just to be associated, even for a few seconds, with anybody who's famous? Are we out of our minds? Strange as it may sound, I believe the answer is a very spiritual one. And it's the same answer to the question so many people ask about tefillah. To paraphrase of David Orlovsky, that question usually goes something like this. You know, I just can't understand you Jews. Supposedly you pray to this God of yours because he is so mighty and omnipotent and eternal and all that. But does that make any sense? Why in heaven's name would a God that is so powerful need little old you to pray to him? Isn't that silly? 
you spend half your prayers extolling his unlimited virtues. Of what possible purpose could that be? He certainly knows by now that he's exalted, lofty, and glorified, and exalted and eminent, and grand and exalted and majestic, and also exalted. Why go on and on? And by the way, why are you also screaming sometimes? He can certainly hear you. There are many who ask these questions and truly wonder what all the noise is about. Apparently, they never attended a major sporting event, concert, or political rally. The barricades had been erected for hours, sometimes days before, and the security folks are out in droves. Their job, crowd control. Why? Because the masses can easily become mobs. The potential frenzy that can and often does occur when the star arrives can literally become dangerous. People who are otherwise normal, sane, even sedate, and unassuming become wild, untamed hyenas, on the verge of cardiac arrest or at least fainting or unabashed lunacy. A sampling at any baseball stadium illustrates the point. Derek Jeter, we love you. Carlos Beltran, you're the greatest. David, yo, David Wright, over here, David. If only David would so much as turn around, or if Carlos would just acknowledge us with a teeny wave of his glove or a tip of his cap, we would completely lose it. We'd be boring our friends with the story for days on end, as if there would be a story, but they really don't acknowledge us, do they? They probably don't even hear us, let alone care that we exist. But does that deter us from singing their praise and howling their names? Certainly not. Why? Because that's something that we just need to do. We certainly don't do it for the celebrity in question. He just goes about his business. But we are attempting to attach ourselves in any way possible to something or someone that we perceive as being greater than ourselves. It is as if by association or osmosis, some of their greatness will magically rub off on us. It is the same dynamic as rooting for your team to win, as if they have somehow morphed into your team. Call it fantasy if you like, or illusion or wishful thinking, but it's very much the human condition. It is a sublime yearning to fasten ourselves to a being of a higher calling, to tether our souls to someone or something that dwells in a higher plane than we do. Today it might be Arnold Schwarzenegger, tomorrow it might be for some Tiger Woods, Oprah, whoever the lords of People magazine decide to deify this week. It doesn't really matter. These personalities are but mere instruments in our attempt to borrow a morsel of associative greatness. And that is why we pray. It is bonding experience for us and our supreme desire to be very close to our all-powerful Creator. So we praise and we proclaim and glorify and yes, we exalt too, so we can belong in His omnipotent shadow. Isaac, you probably won't get to read this. That's okay. And there's a better than even chance that you're... Meeting with Jason may have never happened anyway. If It was, if all, a long shot. But you need not to be disappointed. There's another meeting that I can arrange for you that has the potential to accomplish the very same thing. I'll give you a hint. He's not a hockey star, a vice president, or a rock star. And you can leave your camera at home. Think, Isaac. You'll get it. That's the essay. Very interesting essay. But I, the reason I like the essay so much, Avi, specifically, it's easy to say... I, I tell Rebbeim, Bachram is sitting on a, on a smartphone. The says, I can't get the guy's attention. People are trying to take a person with strange taivas and strange things and pull them into a different world. It's not true. We are built to be Avdei Hashem. Many things we crave, I believe, come from places of holiness. Many, many things. Here you have a person who's like looking to meet a rock star. You say, ah, it's all childish. Ah. It's not. There's something we do crave. He's claiming that that craving is to connect to greatness. I want some. He's saying that the shayrish of that craving is you want a shaykhist to Hashem. The shayrish is you want a shaykhist to a tzaddik. We're supposed to. It says, Kola ilam kulay is created to connect to the tzaddik. We're supposed to connect to the tzaddik. We're supposed to have shaykhs to the big tzaddik. We're supposed to go to Eretz Yisrael and get a shaykhs to Rebaron. He says our desire for all these interactions, we want to like touch greatness. We don't even care if the person thinks we want to touch greatness. We want to connect. And he says that it comes from a good place. I tend to think like him. Because I think many of our desires and taivas and ways, which we say, babyish, oh, it's so silly, it's not. It's not. And there's a shayrish that's very, very powerful and very, very real. We just have to direct it. 
Isn't that interesting, Shay? Many things we think we have to overcome. We don't have to overcome. We have to direct. Many things. It says to serve Hashem with Yetzirah, a lot of things that we put under the ledger of Yetzirah, that guy who's running after is like the biggest fan. He's running after. So obviously being a fan of that is, is shvach. But it's his craving to connect to greatness. Yes, Avrami. Well said, well said, well said, well said. Yeah, that bird, yeah. I'm forgetting the second. Win, Winbro? That's cool. I hear about the greatness part, but it's, it's really kind of great. Isn't that interesting? True, true. Oh. Avi's not convinced. Ezra, what do you think about his theory? Could it be? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Avi, what do you think about this theory? I like the theory. You hear why I like the theories, Avi? The theory is a theory. Maybe yes, maybe no. But I like that he's saying that many... It's easier to dismiss, ah, the stupid guy, like what a babyish. No, no. It's often kedai to find out what is driving people. Why are you driven like that? It's, he asked this kid, the kid probably didn't have like a rabbi getting psychological. He was trying to understand it. You want to see like you're so craving it. What is... If Tom Brady's here, so you met, I met her, so... We want to touch greatness. So good, a part of us perceives that as greatness. But we're supposed to want to touch greatness. I shook his hands. I took a picture. Okay. Yeah, because we want to touch greatness. Good. So part of us perceives that as greatness. We're humans. We're supposed to want to connect to greatness. What do you think about that, Yankiv? It's interesting, right? No, no. All of a sudden, you take this thing that teenagers have, instead of mocking it and saying baseball, schmeisball, and Jarek Fleeter, say you want to touch Jarek Jeter, that makes, you, you, it comes from a very holy place. Sure, sure, 100%. Many things were driven, 100%, you're right. The guy who wants to build his body, it's easy to mock it. The guy who's working out, he's at stupidity. No, there's a place he wants to get big. And that's a big driver's supposed to want to get big. Okay, as we mature, getting big means something else. Getting really big, Ezeu Giber. But there's a, there's a shirish, I've seen many things like this. But it's an opposite attitude of bittle, of making fun, of putting down. It's a very unsophisticated putting down. The, the teenagers who are chasing Derek Jeter and you make fun of it, you really miss the boat. If they're chasing it, why are they chasing it? So you just look a bunch of silly, you babies, you miss the boat. They're chasing it. There's something, you big people, you want to touch greatness. Wow. Okay, as you get older, what's greatness will probably change, by the way. It's just, a, it's a much more sophisticated view of life. It's less bitter putting down. Is there a victim? What do you think of Ezzy of this? It's a much better attitude. It's, I think it's much, Avi, I think it's much truer. People have met, I, I, I bet you there are dozens of examples of this. I should make, you know what, homework, homework. Every the first day homework, but I'm, I'm calling on guys. This is homework. Don't, Waterbury's a tough, woe on to the guy who doesn't do homework. Woe on to the guy. Tomorrow's Friday sheer. You have to be here. And I'm calling on guys. You have the following 24-hour homework. Woe on to the guy. Who doesn't do the homework? Zevi, you all call up. Listen to the homework. What I want every guy to come up with, this is what I want. He showed us something that we perceive as like babyish and you're at like, like and, and he showed his claim is that one to hang out with Derek Jeter comes from a very spiritual place. So the kid who has like this, this is, he's one of these guys like always chasing big people, running after them. Instead of viewing it as like babyish and immature, 
He actually show, he actually believes that it comes from a very spiritual place connecting to bigness. That's cool. I want to ask guys, and every guy here has homework, don't force it. It has to be intelligent. If you can come up with something that we have, some desire, some anhaga, some behavior, that at first glance, much like I said, Tavis Nashim, which people view as bad, it's a great thing. Here, running after a famous person. If you can come up with something that we do that on a first glance seems to, something to mock, and in your estimation, it comes from a very good place. It comes, it's only, it's expressed in this way. The deeper meaning is, I want to, if guys can come up in an intelligent way, with taivais and the like that we have, quirks, and that we have, that you were yoyred, try not to force it, but things you were yoyred, that the real shayrish of that thing comes from a good place. That's what I want. The winning guy, the best one in the sheer Monday night, all you can eat. Monday night, you get, to all the, you get to bring your best friend. You and a best friend, the best one. You hear the homework, Kevra? Maishi, hear the homework? Avi, hear the homework? Arye, Avrami? I want some desire, some yearning, some craving we have that at first glance, like, that's weird that we have that craving, and a shayrish that might come from a good place. I have examples like this, where the guy craves the famous guy and it looks ridiculous, and his claims it comes from a very good place. It doesn't have to be like. I think there are dozens. Remember him, person, Things that we crave, desires we have, funny quirks that we seem to want, and it looks just like a bad thing, like we're built so weird. And the shayrish is a very good place. I have, I have right off the bat, I have five examples. No, say I have five examples that I could give you right now, but I want guys no, because I don't want to take. No, I'll tell you guys. I'll tell you I'm not saying them because I don't want to take things that you would come up with. I don't want to make it harder. Says I want you to be able to come up with things. Ready, stop. We gave only two. We gave only two Tavis Nashim. We say it's bad. It comes from a very good place for a good reason, and we said the desire to run after the best. True. That's true. Desire to run after oh, superstars, which seems like a guy hangs a picture of a superstar. What's his problem? According to him, it comes from a very deep shayrish. I think there are countless examples of this. Many. I asked the guys, shucks, I, I really asked Michiel, but you have to think. I'm sorry, guys. Rabbi said, Rabbi said, what I want is, you're going to go to Sheer now. Sheer now. At 12.45, if we can gather for 10 minutes, as a yid here, a yid who's helped many, many, many bachrams, tremendous in learning, and he gets a big cheshik His name is Rav Victor. He has a yeshiva called OJ. Some guys will meet with him, but at 12.45, I want him to speak to all of us. I want Shiorim first. It's 12.12. 12.15, three-minute break, Shiorim. 12.45, 10 minutes Shiorim. From Rabnaya Victor. For 10 minutes, 12.55 lunch.